Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, only you can steal. My soul is thirsty this morning. Father, thank you. Jesus, I just want to say thank you for a brand new day. Thank you once again for this great privilege to know the Father, to love the Father. Thank you because by your blood I can come into the presence of my King this morning. By your blood I can worship the covenant-keeping God. Be glorified, Father, forevermore. Be glorified, Lord, for your love and kindness to all your people is great, Scripture says. Be glorified because you are the faithful God. You are the Lord of heaven's armies. You are the Lord of hosts. We worship you this morning, Father. Be glorified in the precious name of Jesus as the God to whom nothing is impossible with. Scripture says with men things might be impossible, but with you, O God, the God we worship this morning, nothing is impossible. We declare this morning, be glorified forevermore. Be glorified forevermore as we tarry in your presence, as we fellowship reading your words together. We ask, Lord, this morning, speak to us. Help us to understand your word. Let your name alone be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. All right. Let me say a big welcome to everyone joining into devotion this morning. I am Murphy Eyeneke. All right. We continue our reading of the book of Ezekiel today. We take on chapter 16 and 17. We stopped on chapter 15 yesterday. Okay, again, remember, um, the book of Ezekiel is simple, simple to understand, simple to interpret. Take the word of God literally, okay? When the literal does not make sense, then it is speaking in figurative sense. So in chapter 16 and 17, we will see a lot a lot of metaphors okay we'll see a lot of metaphors we'll see a riddle and a proverb just like jesus used to use riddles and proverbs to speak to the people okay he never intended that anyone uh, would take them take them literally they were they were reduced and they were supposed to communicate um, a message so usually what you should pay attention to is the intention of the riddle the intention of the riddle beyond trying to hold on to whether five virgins means five virgins or um, five wise and five foolish virgins instead of trying to hold on to whether it is only five people that will be saved or only five people in the kingdom eventually or the population only about half will be saved instead of trying to give all manner of in, you know, uh, interpretation to it just focus on the goal of the ritual and the goal is that we are supposed to prepare prepare for the bridegroom okay so it's the same thing we use the same concept as we read uh, today's riddle like i said when you interpret scriptures you always want to pay attention to similar parts okay uh, similar ways 
that scripture is used also used like that in the Bible. Okay, so for example, it's talking about vines here. We know that vines were were well used in the book of John. Yes, Jesus used vines in the book of John. Jesus specifically said that I am uh, the vine and that you are the branches. Okay, so just helping us to understand to understand the concepts. Okay, will help us understand how to interpret. All right, let's go today. Ezekiel chapter sixteen. Uh, this one, okay, it's about Jerusalem and unfaithful wife. Chapter 17 is the parable of the two eagles and a vine. So let me say beforehand, very few preachers like to preach from Ezekiel chapter 16. And the reason is very simple. In fact, Charles Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, the great man of God, said that, look, that preachers don't, you know, tend to feel out of character, you know, to preach, especially in public, or be reading the words of Ezekiel chapter 16. And I'm telling you, as we read now, you will understand, okay? It looks as if it's graphic. It's graphic in nature. But what I want you to learn is that God uses this, this kind of language to communicate, okay, Israel's um, lack of allegiance, okay? It uses prostitution, he uses sex, you know, to communicate Israel's idolatry, okay? Who would have thought that there was a, a link between the two, okay? A link between forsaking God and going to worship another God, and God links that with sex. I'm telling you, okay? So, I'm te- um, so much blessings to learn in today. Ezekiel chapter 16 says that then another message came to me. From the Lord, Son of Man, confront Jerusalem with her detestable sins. Okay? Confront her. Show her her detestable sins. God was telling Ezekiel. He says, give her this message from the Sovereign Lord. You are nothing but a Canaanite. Your father was an Amorite and your mother is a is a Hittite. Okay? So what does that mean? Okay? The truth is, in the end, okay, Israel's father okay was came from the land of canaan okay abraham came from the land of canaan we read that account in the in the in the in the book of genesis okay so his father came from canaan okay and on, when they got to 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 the promised land you know the major land that they encountered were the amorites and the Hittites. remember and the jebusites and the gegashites okay so um in time they chose to mix with those people even go even though god want them not to also when god tells them here that your father was an amorite okay he says you are nothing but a canaan a canaanite your father is an amorite your mother is an etite they had mixed with the land with the people in the land and that is the result of what now began to happen to them he said on the day you were born no one cared about you your umbilical cord was not cut and you were never washed, rubbed with salt, and wrapped in clothes. The truth that in 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 Jewish tradition, when a child is born, okay, they wash the child with water, you know, and then rub the child with with, with a little bit of salt, you know, to make the child clean. Okay, cut the umbilical cord and then make the child clean. So God was using this metaphor to tell the children of Israel that when the day that you were born, no one cared for you. 
no one cared for you. Remember when Israel was born as a nation, okay? And then when Jacob and his, and his son moved to Egypt, no one cared for them, okay? It was Joseph who cared for them. And then when they were in the land of Egypt, they were oppressed. When they came out of, out of Egypt, you know, it was, it was big fight. It was big fight. No one person cared. It was God who cared. It was God who brought them out of Egypt, took them through the wilderness. And even in the promised land, one nation after another did not care about them. You know, in fact, there were times they wanted to just simply pass through a, a particular land. And those ones will say, no, no one cared about them. Okay. But God cared. He said that, look, um, your umbilical cord was not caught and you were never washed, rubbed with salt and wrapped in clothes. No one had the slightest interest in you. No one pitied you or cared for you. On the day you were born, you were unwanted, dumped in the feed and left to die. Okay? No one cared. But God cared. He said, but I came by and saw you there, helplessly kicking about in your own blood. As you lay there, I... I said, uh, leave, okay? So you can picture, you know, a newborn baby just dumped there, okay? It is helpless. It cannot do anything. That was the picture of Israel. Israel could not do anything. What could they do? Could they fight the Egyptians? Could they come out of Egypt by themselves? Could they sustain themselves in, you know, in the wilderness? Could they face the nations, all the great nations that they were able to, to overcome? Could they face all of them on their own? Okay, but God is saying, yes, I saw you helpless and I came, I stepped forward. I stepped forward to pick you up. Seven says, and I helped you to thrive like a plant in the field. You grew up and became a beautiful jewel. Your breasts became full and your body, your body air grew. But you were still naked. Okay? So, which is just a description trying to describe how Israel began to thrive as a nation. As a nation. At the beginning, yes, you know, they kept to the ordinance of God. They were willing to listen and receive the commandment. But you remember them with Moses. Even then, you know, their stubbornness was already there. It says, and when I passed by again, I saw that you were old enough for love. So I wrapped my cloak around you to cover your nakedness and declared my marriage vow. Okay, I made a covenant with you, says the sovereign Lord, and you became mine. Okay, so if you ever thought that marriage was simply an agreement between a, a man and a woman, you just made a, you made a big mistake. So God is confirming here, Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 8, that marriage is a covenant. Yes, so God entered into a marriage with Israel and it was, it was a covenant. It was a covenant between them and we know where that, okay, so you could practically look at, so as we read, and use the language of Ezekiel chapter 16. Remember that this is a poem. Okay, so it is a poem that is telling a story, but uh, you can also literally picture the different events in their lives where some of these things happened. Yes, so they entered into, when could Israel have entered into a marriage covenant with God? Yes, when Moses, you know, presented the people before God and then brought, you know, um, entered they entered into a blood covenant with god that day israel became god's in the sense of became god's wife okay and god told them that if you will just diligently hearken to the voice of the lord your god to observe 
and to do everything that he is saying to you today. It is simply almost like a husband and a wife who go before the altar and then they exchange their vows. And then you just give, give it a few days and the wife is off with another man. That is the picture of what Israel did in now moving in with Molech, with Baal, with Chemosh, with Nebo, with the sun, and with all the gods that they were worshipping. It says then, it says, uh, it says, I made a covenant with you, says the sovereign Lord, and you became mine. Yes, they became his. Now it says, then I bitted you and washed off your blood, and I rubbed fragrant oil in your, into your skin. I gave you expensive clothing of fine linen and silk, beautifully embroidered, and sandals made of fine goat, goat skin leather. I gave you lovely jewelry bracelet, a beautiful necklace, a ring for your nose, hearing for your ears, and a loving, a lovely crown for your head. You had to just look at what God was willing to do for the nation of Israel. God literally parted the Red Sea for them. Okay, uh, there were nations who tried to touch them. God told them, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. Okay, when God said that, he was not talking about Moses. The nation itself was God's prophet. He says, do my prophet no harm. He was talking about the nation of, of Israel. When people tried to touch them, eh, God dealt with nations dealt with kings on their behalf okay so everything we just read i gave you a lovely jewelry bracelet beautiful necklace was just what god did for israel in beautifying this nation but 13 says and so you were adorned with gold and silver your clothes were were made of fine linen and costly fabric and were beautifully embroidered since you ate the finest food choice flour honey and olive oil and became more beautiful than ever you look like a queen and so you were yes they were the joy okay of many generations nations looked at them and they they envied them because of what God had done for them. They were the bride of God. It says your fame soon spread throughout the uh, throughout the world because of your beauty. I dressed you in, in my splendor and perfected your beauty, says the sovereign Lord. 15 says, but you taught your fame and beauty were your own. So you gave yourself as a prostitute to every man who came along. Your beauty was theirs for the asking. So where did Israel's problem start? Their problem started from pride. It says, but you taught your fame and beauty were your own. When Israel began to think that they were, they, there was something that was just special about themselves, why God just chose them and made them, you know, a great, a great nation. Moses had warned them. Moses told them, remember that God did not choose you. It wasn't because you were so, so great as, as a people or you were so plenty as a people. He chose you, okay, because of the promise, okay, the covenant he had entered into with Abraham. Okay, that was why God God chose you to become his own, to become his bride. So he told them that it was because of your fame, because of your beauty, because you felt you are now you were now beautiful. You now decided to give yourself as a prostitute to every man who came along. And yes, Israel gave themselves to every every man that came along. Chimosh came, they gave themselves. Baal came, they, they gave themselves. In fact, they, they didn't only give themselves, they gave their children, they offered their children, you know, as sacrifices to those idols. It says, you use the lovely things I gave you to make shrines for idols, where you played the prostitutes 
unbelievable. How could such a thing ever happen? God says, how can anyone worship God and still find it comfortable to worship idols? I'm telling you, it is beyond understanding that you encounter the covenant-keeping God, that you speak to him in prayers, he answers your prayers, and you want to worship idols. You rather want to put your trust in idols. It is beyond understanding. God says, it is unbelievable. How could such a thing ever happen? 17 says, you took the, the very jewel and gold and gold and silver ornaments I had given you and made statues of, of men and worshipped them. This is adultery against me. Okay? So God was linking adultery, sex, okay, with worship. Hmm. And I know there are many people who say that, no, there's no link with that. Yes, there is a link. You better, you better realize now. Paul told us that there is, if there is every sin you commit, there is one sin that you don't commit without your body and spirit. It is the sin of, of it is the sin of adultery or sex. Okay, so very, 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 very important. Okay, so he says this is adultery against me. You used the beautifully embroidered clothes I gave you to dress your idols. Uh, then you used my special oil and my incense to worship them. Imagine it. You set before them as sacrifice the choice flour, olive oil, and honey had given you, says the sovereign Lord. Israel began to worship these gods with, with, with the prosperity and the blessing God had given them. 26, then you took your sons and daughters, the children you had born to me, and sacrificed them to your gods. Was your prostitution not enough? Eh? Was it not enough that you added murder to it? 21 says, must you also slaughter my children by sacrificing them to idols? Says, in all your years of adultery and detestable sin, you have not once remembered the days long ago when you lay naked in a field, kicking about in your own blood. Hmm. 23, what sorrow awaits you, says the Sovereign Lord. In addition to all your other wickedness, uh, you built a pagan shrine and put, altar, and put altars to, to idols in every town. I'm telling you, when they were worshipping idols, okay, because it just felt more comfortable, they could see their idols, they could hold their idols in their hand. And this is where, for a lot of people, uh, their trust is in what they can see. It's easier to trust what they can see. For example, as long as they could see Moses, because they had turned Moses into an idol. Like I said yesterday, a lot of people turned people into idol. They had turned Moses into an idol, and God chose that, no, let me take Moses aside. And so Moses waited, as Moses was waiting on the, on the mountaintop for 40 days, you know, because they couldn't see an idol anymore, they, they panicked. And they told, they told Aaron, make an idol for us. Something we can see that will lead us. Uh, but I'm telling you, those who worship God, worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay? It is not always about what we can just see with our eyes. Hey, say what sorrow awaits you, says the sovereign Lord. In addition to all your weakness, wickedness, you built pregnant shrines and put altars. Okay, and 
pregnant shrine and put altars uh, to idols in every every town square on every street corner you defied your beauty offering your body to every passerby in an endless stream of prostitution so then you added lustful egypt to your lovers provoking my anger with your increasing promiscuity uh, that is why i struck you with my fists and reduced your boundary i handed you over to your enemies the philistine and even even they were shocked by your lewd conduct you have prostituted yourself with the Assyrians too. It seems you can never find any, enough new lovers. And after your prostitution there, you still were not satisfied. Why was God, you know, relating prostitution and sex with all of this? Because when Israel joined themselves with any nation, then they would go and worship the God of that nation. Yes, that was what they were doing. They would then go on. And that was why they had so many idols, okay? so many idols they worshiped all the host of heaven for example they worshiped all the stars they worshiped all the sun okay but it was because as soon as they joined themselves with one nation they would start worshiping the god of that nation he says they were still not as if satisfied 29 says you added to your lovers by embracing babylonia the land of merchant but you still weren't satisfied what a sick heart you have says the sovereign lord to do such a thing as as this acting like a shameless prostitute you built your pagan your pagan shrines on every street corner and your altars to idols in every square in fact you have been worse than a prostitute so eager for sin that you have you have not even demanded payment yes you are an adulterous wife uh, who takes in strangers instead of her own her own husband prostitutes are charged for their services but not you you give gifts uh, to your lovers bribing them to come and have sex with you so you are the opposite of other prostitutes you pay your lovers instead of their they are of they are paying you okay so like i said a lot of pastors would rather not go near this near this chapter in that it uses a lot of vivid and you know and lewd if you want to you, you want to call it you know uh, metaphors okay that someone might find uncomfortable but just understand you know in the way the what the, the metaphors mean and you find that look it's a simple message god is trying to communicate 35 says therefore your prost- you prostitute listen to this message from the lord this is what the sovereign lord says because you have poured out your loss and exposed yourself in prostitution to all your lovers and because you have worshipped detestable idols and because you have slaughtered your children as sacrifices to your gods this is what i am going to do i will gather together all your allies the lovers with whom you have sinned both those you loved and those you hated and i will strip you naked in, fr- in front of them so you can you can st- so so that so I will strip you naked in front of them so they can stare at you. So maybe you understand why God was punishing Israel now. I judged Israel and is now judging Judah, okay? Because of their idolatry. He said he will strip them naked in front of, of them. 30, 38 says, I will punish you for your mother and adultery. I will, I will cover you with, the, with blood in my jealous fury. Since then, I will give you to, to these many nations who are your lovers, and they will destroy you. They will knock down your pagan shrines, and the, and the altars are to your, to your idols. They will strip you and take your, your beautiful jewels, leaving you stark naked. They will band together in a mob to stone you and cut you up with swords. And they 
will burn your homes and punish you in front of many women. I will stop your prostitution and end your payments to your many lovers. Since then, at last, my fury against you will be spent and my jealous anger will subside. I will be calm and, and will not be angry with you anymore. But first, because you have not remembered your youth, but have angered me by doing all these evil things, I will fully repay you for all I will repay you for all all of your sins, says the sovereign Lord, for you have added lewd acts to to all to all your detestable sins. Everyone who makes up Proverbs will say of you, like mother, like daughter, for your mother loathed her husband and her children, and so so do you. You are exactly like your sister, for they despise their husbands and their children. Truly, your mother was a Hittite and your father was an Amorite. Since your older sister, of course, is Israel that had been carried off by, into us by Assyria. It says your older sister was Samaria, the capital, the capital of Israel, who lived with, with her daughters in the north. Your younger sister was Sodom, who lived with her daughters in the south. But you have not merely sinned as they did. You quickly surpassed them in corruption. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, Sodom and her daughters were never as wicked as you and your daughters. Sodom's sins were pride, gluttony, and laziness, while the poor and the needy suffered outside her door. She was proud and committed detestable sins, so I wiped her out, as you as you have seen. Even Samira did not commit half, half your sin, and you have done far more detestable sins than your sisters ever, ever, ever did. They seem righteous compared, compared to you. Shame on you. Your sins are so terrible that you make your sisters seem righteous even virtuous. But someday I will restore the fortunes of Sodom and Samaria, and I will restore you too. Then you will be you will be truly ashamed of everything you have done for your sins and make them feel good in, in comparison. Yes, your sisters Sodom and Samaria and all their people will be restored, and at that time you also will be restored. In your proud days you held Sodom in contempt, but now your greater wickedness has been exposed all to all the world and you are the one who is scorned by Edom and all our neighbors and by Philistia. This is your punishment for all your lewdness and detestable sins, says the Lord. Now this is what the sovereign Lord says, I will give you what you deserve for you have taken your solemn vows lightly by breaking your covenant. Yet I will remember the covenant I made with you when you were young and I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. Then you will remember with shame all the evil you have done. I will make your sister Samaria and Sodom uh, to be your daughters, even though they are not part of our covenant. And I will reaffirm my covenant with you, and you will know that I am the Lord. You will remember your sins and cover your mouth in silence, in silent shame, when I forgive you of all that you have done. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Wow. So quite an excellent one. God communicates his message. His message is clear. If you read this one, um, chapter 16, you understand what God was saying. Okay, so don't pay attention to all of the lewd, you know, um, description and all the metaphors being used. It was clear that God was addressing Israel's or Judah's idolatry. Okay, 
and he was not going to stand for it. In fact, at this point, they had now done worse. Remember uh, the kings, you know, Manasseh, for example, Manasseh, for example, after the king Ezekiah. Remember Ahaz, for example, you know, they did quite terrible things and God judged the nations, okay? But God is telling them, okay, um, and painting the picture of the fact that they were in, in the covenant, in the covenant with him. Let's take Ezekiel chapter 17. This one is a story of two eagles. It's a parable, okay? So we read the parable and read the explanation at the end. Then this, it says, Then this message came to me from the Lord, Son of Man. Give this riddle and tell this story to the people of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. A great eagle with broad wings and long feathers covered with many colors, our plumage, uh, came to Lebanon. He seized the top of a cedar tree and plucked off his highest branch. He carried it away to a city filled with merchants. He planted it in the city of traders. He also took a seedling from the land and planted it in a fertile soil. He placed it beside a broad river where it could grow like a willow tree. It, it, it took root there and grew into, into a low spreading vine. Its branches are turned up towards, towards the eagle and its roots grew down into the ground. It produced strong branches and put out shoots. Seven says, but then another great eagle came with broad wings and full plumage. So the vine now sent its roots and branches towards him for water. Even though it was already planted in good soil and had plenty of water, so it could grow into, into a splendid vine and produce rich leaves and, and luscious, luscious fruits. Nine says, so now the sovereign Lord asks, will this vine grow, grow and prosper? Says, no. I will put it, I will pull it, I will pull it up, roots and all. I will cut off its fruit and let its leaves wither and, and die. I will uh, pull it up easily without a strong arm or a large army. But when the vine is transplanted, will it thrive? No, it will wither away when, when the east wind blows against it. It will die in the same good soil where it had grown so well. Okay, so simply put, the vine that God is talking about is the nation of Israel. Okay, the two eagles. Okay, so let me... The, so one of the things about parables and giving interpretation to them is I tell people to always be careful to give an interpretation different from what the Bible itself is giving us, okay? So you can take it literally, okay? Just reading, you have a simple idea that at least the vine is talking about Israel. But who are the two eagles? Let's find out. 11 says, Then this message came to me from the Lord. Says, Say to these rebels of Israel, Don't you understand the meaning of this riddle of the eagles? The king of Babylon came to Jerusalem, took away our king. Okay? So you could have made the, the wrong interpretation to think that that first eagle that came, okay, was talking about God. Okay? While it could have referred to God, how God planted Israel as a nation, uh, that was not the intention of this parable. So like I said, always be very, very, very careful. Be very careful. Always pay attention and just interpret the word literally. Finish reading it and then f ask yourself if you 
understand or can tell what it is trying to say. It says, so this rebels of Israel, don't you understand the meaning of this riddle of the, of the eagles? The king of Babylon came to Jerusalem, took away our king and princes and brought them to, to, Babel, to Babylon. We know that the king that was brought to Babylon was Jehoashen. Okay. 13 says he made a treaty with a member of the royal family and forced him to take an oath of loyalty. He also exiled Israel's, Israel's most influential leaders. Okay, so Israel's most influential leaders was when Ezekiel himself was carried off into exile. But the king that was forced, you know, to, to make allegiance, to enter into a treaty with Nebuchadnezzar, obviously was Zedekiah. Okay, so he said he also exiled Israel's most influential leaders. 14 says, so Israel would not become so that Israel so Israel would not become strong again and revolt. Only by keeping a treaty with Babylon could Israel survive. 15. Nevertheless, this man of Israel's Israel's royal family, talking about Zedekiah, rebelled against Babylon, sending ambassadors to Egypt to request a great army and many horses. Remember, Ezekiel is prophesying you know, before the very events happen. He says, Yet a great army and many horses from Egypt. Says, can Israel break a sworn treaties like this and get away with it? Says, not no, for as surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, the king of Israel will die in Babylon, not in not in not in the land of, of, of Israel. He is coming to die in Babylon. Says the land of the the land of the king who put him in power and whose treaty he disregarded and broke. Pharaoh and all his mighty army will, will fail to help Israel when the king of Babylon lays siege to Jerusalem again and destroys many lives. For the king of Israel disregarded his treaty and broke it after swearing to obey. Therefore, he will not escape. Okay? So those are the two different eagles. So, 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 so this is what the sovereign Lord says. As surely as I live, I will punish him for breaking my covenant and disregarding the solemn oath he made in my, in, in my name. I will tr- Obviously, Nebuchadnezzar made them swear in the name of God. I will throw my net over him and capture him in my snare. I will bring him to Babylon and put him on trial for this, for this treason against me. And all his best warriors will be killed in battle. And those who survive will be scattered to the four winds, then uh, you will know that I, the Lord, have, have spoken. This is what the sovereign, the sovereign Lord says. I will take a branch from the top of a tall cedar and I will plant it on the top of Israel's highest mountain. It will become a majestic cedar, sending forth its branches and producing seeds. Birds of every sort will nest in it, finding shelter in the shades of its branch. You could say that that is talking about the Messiah. 24 says, and all the trees will know that it is I, the Lord, who cuts the tall tree down and makes the short tree grow tall. It is I who makes the green tree wither and gives the dead, the dead tree new life. I, the Lord, have spoken and I will do what I say. So why you could say that this refers to the Messiah, but again, God is easily referring to the remnant, okay, who he will plant again in, in Israel. Wow. So it's been an amazing read today, quite, you know, finding interpretation for the things that we read. But like I always say, they're very simple, very easy for anyone to understand. What I want us to take from today's reading is that portion where God says that your worship is prostitution. 
when you worship other gods. He says, if you have given yourself to me and you worship other gods, you are a prostitute. So I want us to pray this morning, Lord, I will not prostitute myself. I will serve you and you alone. I will serve the covenant-keeping God. Will you lift up your voice and just begin to pray this morning? Lord, I will serve the covenant-keeping God all the days of my life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we say thank you this morning. Thank you for bringing us to yourself. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this covenant. Thank you, Lord, because we belong to you. We make a commitment to you. All the days of our lives, we will worship you and you alone. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray this morning, help us to keep our vows to you. Father, we say thank you and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Enjoy your day.